From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome. Thanks for joining us as we're on the eve of this year's Pray Vote Stand Summit, which begins tomorrow morning here in our nation's capital. Well, coming up today, even as growing inflation eats away at family incomes, President Biden went to the blue state of Maryland to tout Bidenomics. Because the country should know the facts. They should know the choice between Bidenomics and Maganomics. Look, their plan, Maganomics, is more extreme than anything America has ever seen before. The numbers of Bidenomics just don't add up. The question is, could the Biden administration be cooking the numbers? We're going to get a reality check from Joel Griffith with the Heritage Foundation. And today, federal prosecutors indicted Hunter Biden on gun charges. The three counts are tied to possessing a gun while using narcotics. Question is, as we talked about earlier this week with a member of the House Judiciary Committee, could this block Republicans from accessing certain documents related to the Biden family because of ongoing criminal investigation? We'll take a look at it. As Congress nears the September 30th end of the fiscal year and no budget yet for next year, the two sides don't seem to be anywhere near finding common ground. House Republicans have made clear that they are determined to shut down the government and try to jam their extreme right-wing ideology down the throats of the American people. That was House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries earlier today. Frankly, it sounds like Democrats are looking in a mirror. But here is what House Speaker Kevin McCarthy had to say earlier today about government funding. We're going to get this done. Nobody wins in a government shutdown. Nobody wins in a government shutdown. I've been here. But what we want to do is we want to be able to win the policies that we've been fighting for and telling the American public. Now, I was talking with Republican leadership today. I've had conversations with, as you've heard on the program here, with members of the House Freedom Caucus. It's only the Democrats that are saying they want to shut down government that Republicans want to do that. Republicans aren't saying they want to shut down government, but they're saying they're not going to continue funding government under the budget of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. The failed policies that eat away at the uh, the ability of families to provide for themselves and shove these liberal leftist values, indoctrination, uh, down our throats. That's what they're saying. So we're going we're gonna to have a conversation with uh, Travis Weber, Vice President of uh, FRC's Policy Shop and our Government Affairs a little bit later. And uh, Speaker McCarthy also raised questions about the White House giving instructions to the media. I'm not sure, based upon how many of you got the memo from the White House Legal Counsel on what you should say. I didn't know that was the role of the White House to try to control the media. I thought you had a First Amendment uh, opportunity. <laughs> Well, we talked about that yesterday. We're going to continue to track that. The White House is getting more scrutiny over their instructions to the legacy media, basically telling them to ignore the Republicans' impeachment inquiry. Very interesting. And as I mentioned, tomorrow is the Pray Vote Stand Summit, and kicking off the event will be Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, and he's going to join me here in studio a little bit later with a preview of tomorrow's message. And here's another aspect of the left's cancel culture. It's called debanking cutting off conservative religious organizations from banking service. And this is growing among mega banks uh, like Bank of America, 
J.P. Morgan Chase and Truist. They're cutting off conservatives. We're going to talk about that with a religious organization that was cut off because I guess they're too conservative. That's coming up a little bit later here on Washington Watch. Our word for today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul is calling for unity in the body of Christ. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, and so is Christ. When I was in the Marine Corps in basic training, Marine recruits spent hours and hours in close order drill, marching in formation. In fact, I almost wore the heels off my boots that they issued me, marching hour after hour, day after day on the asphalt grinder, as they called it. But by the end of basic training, there was nothing I enjoyed more than marching in unison with a platoon of 60 Marines. When our heels would strike the deck as we marched, it was just the sound of one heel. We were many members, but we walked as one. We had different roles and positions, but we worked together. That is exactly what the church should look like. To find out more about our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org slash Bible. Well, despite uh, facing an impeachment inquiry, a potential government shutdown, another month of accelerating inflation due to his economic policies, President Biden traveled to the Washington, D.C. suburb of Largo, Maryland this afternoon to deliver yet another speech where he claims Bidenomics is working. But a recent CNN poll confirms that a majority of Americans, 58 percent, say that the president's policies have hurt economic conditions. And recent data indicates working families continue to get hit as food and energy inflation jumped in August for the second month in a row. Well, joining me to talk about this and government funding and a host of other things is Travis Weber, vice president of FRC's policy shop, as well as our government affairs division. Travis, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. All right, let's uh, let, let's start. The, you know, the president uh, talking about his economic policies, but yet it um, it appears that those policies are hurting American families. Yeah, I mean, you know, Tony, it's it's very interesting if you look at these speeches and what hits the news, and the speech like this will hit hit a lot of the news and kind of be disseminated. A, the same story will kind of reach different outlets but often be repeating a lot of the same thing. There, we can Americans taking that in can develop a very day-by-day, very short-sighted interpretation of what's actually happening, what, what's real. You know, we need to place this, when you see a speech like that, in context of the larger picture of America's national debt, our financial health, and financial risk, and, and the manner in which we are spending money. I mean, this um, these these are issues that are going to come home to roost at some point, And it's not fair to just take the talking points right. interpretation of what's happening. Well, I want to I want to play a clip from his speech uh, that he made earlier today. And because this ties into the budget debate that's currently going on, play clip number 11, please. All right. I think they're pulling that clip up. So let, let's go to and we'll get it and we'll play it in just a moment here. But the the debate right now where we saw last year the deficit, the federal deficit almost doubled, went from one trillion to two trillion dollars. What we have are Republicans saying that we we will not continue funding government as it has been. Uh, we have the appropriations bills that actually we've worked on. We've got some good policies in there. Uh, where do things stand on yeah. the Hill? Yeah, so it's interesting. You know, Tony, usually we're looking at a debate between doing what's a con- known as a continuing resolution, kind of maintaining current levels 
um, high as they may be, or actually pushing bills out the door that are often higher. Now the debate has shifted to the question of a continued resolution being too high. Instead, people saying we need to put the brakes, member of Congress saying we need to put the brakes on that in in light of the situation, you know, so the whole parameters have shifted. This should tell us how bad the levels are. Well, and as I had a conversation with a member of the House uh, Republican leadership today, I said, look, if you guys push this forward, you're going to own it. If you do a continuing resolution, what they call a clean, meaning no changes to it, you own the the, the Biden, Schumer, Pelosi uh, budget. There's a lot of detail in there, a lot of money and a lot of programming that goes to things that do not honor the things of the Lord. And it behooves us to really look right. under the hood to it, see what is being budgeting spent Budgeting is, is a moral issue, especially when you look at what this money is funding. And it is something as as believers we need to be aware of because our money is funding this. Very much. I mean, we've dealt with this over the years. I mean, we're... we're we're talking so much money going out the door. I, I mean, some of these programs alone, billions and billions of dollars, reauthorizations. And then you look at the annual spending. Right. The numbers are astounding. And then you look at the content. I mean, we need to we need to look at it like we're saying and, and look at the overall levels. Uh, we have that clip now. Play clip number 11. On my watch, the deficit has already has fallen by over one trillion dollars, one trillion so far. I signed legislation to reduce the deficit by another trillion dollars over the next decade. And the budget I'm putting forward this year would cut the deficit by another $2.5 billion, trillion dollars on top of that. I mean, this, I have to restrain myself in responding to this because they really, and unfortunately maybe it's true, that the American people are just ill-informed. What he's making reference to is the fact that we had over $3 trillion in emergency spending because of COVID. That was one-time spending. It was supposed to be. But when he came in as president, he actually continued a trillion of it. He cut two trillion, which, again, three trillion was supposed to be one-time money. He kept a trillion of it going. He says, I cut the deficit by two trillion. But last year, he doubled it. So he now has two trillion, and he wants to do that again this year. So the question is, what is it being cut in reference to? And like you just said, it goes way up. We can't look at it going a little bit. You have to look at the larger See, picture. that's what the Republicans, the, the, the House Freedom Caucus members that we've had on the program are saying. We want to go back to the pre-COVID with reasonable increases, percentage increases. That's where we want to use as the baseline, which makes absolute reasonable sense. And, Tony, even if we back up to that point, we look at the way the American public understands spending and debt and, and finance you know, we're as a country, we're in a position where far too many people are looking to the government to provide what they need as the first point of security. It's not meant to be the first point of security. Right. The government is not our father and mother. But, but, but even that fraction that might do that, when you look at the additional funding that goes to promote abortion, goes to promote government dependency, which promotes the indoctrination of children, not just here in the United States, but, you know, we're, we're working on this PEPFAR bill, which is, you know, has a good core to it of, of protecting people from the spread of AIDS in Africa. But under this administration, it's being used to push the LGBTQ agenda, to push abortion, 
that's where our tax dollars are going. Well, if you look at that program, we're talking about $30 billion that they want to authorize now this year alone for the next five years. $30 billion, all we're saying is make sure the language is not, the money does not promote abortion and ideologies on these poor African countries we're trying to help. I mean, here, here's the bottom line as I see this, and is that when you hear the president, and I hate to say this, I really do, but I have to say it. When you hear the president and you hear Democrats saying this stuff, and, and there's, there's probably some of it on the right as well, uh, it's, it's just not true. There's just absolutely no truth in what the president is saying. He is misleading the American people. We're going to have to give an account for our words, and that includes him, especially as our leader. Those in authority have a greater accountability and responsibility because their words are leading many either towards truth, towards goodness and blessing, or astray. And everyone's going to have to account. But it's important that we understand that, that they understand that and take heed of the ultimate authority under God. And we pray for proper judgment, wisdom, and and right action and repentance. Well, and and Christians need to be discerning in the news that they get. That's why primarily on this program, you don't hear a lot of commentary. This is actually a little unusual to do this much commentary, is the newsmakers. So that people hear for themselves and hopefully will educate themselves as this being one resource to know what is actually going on in this country. We need to rightly discern as believers walking ahead, and it's only going to grow more important, Tony. Travis, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. All right, uh, folks, on the other side of the break, we're going to take uh, a deeper look at those numbers, Uh, these economic numbers. I tell you what, I feel it every time I go in the grocery store. I mean, literally every time I'm shocked at how much I'm having to pay for groceries. It keeps going up, and I'm finding out I'm not the only one experiencing that. We're going to talk with uh, Joel Griffith with Heritage Foundation. Take a look at the numbers. Is the Biden administration cooking the economic numbers they've been feeding Americans? That's next. Don't go away. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be giving guidance on specific 
specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on the eve of the Prevote Stand Summit that begins tomorrow morning uh, right here in our nation's capital. In fact, a little bit later, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, who will be uh, our first speaker tomorrow morning, will be joining me here in studio. Uh, if you can make it to D.C., you can still participate. To find out, go to prevotestand.org. A little bit later this afternoon, you'll be able to register to watch online and participate in uh, this entire summit which takes place tomorrow and Saturday, all the way through Saturday night. All right, as I've been discussing, uh, President Biden delivered what the White House called a major economic address just hours ago in Maryland. Though the president continues to claim the economy is doing great and Bidenomics is working, the White House is growing frustrated that poll numbers don't reflect such claims. Well, the Biden administration wants voters to ignore the inf- that inflation has wiped out savings and instead cheer for the CHIPS acts or investments in green energy. But American voters recognize the president's policies have created the situation. 58% blame the president's policies, according to the latest CNN poll. All right. But what does the consumer price from August uh, tell us, price index from August, tell us about the current economic conditions and what trends can we detect to forecast future conditions. Well, joining me now to talk about this from the Heritage Foundation is Joel Griffith. Joel, welcome back to uh, Washington Watch. Hey, thanks for having me tonight. So uh, give us an overview of what the August inflation numbers tell us. Well, August inflation numbers are more bad news. We saw the overall inflation rate of 0.6%. Annualized, that's about 7.2%. Uh, and these numbers add up, these fractions of 1%. If you go back now over the last 26 months of the Biden presidency, because inflation has been so high, 21 of those 26 months, families have experienced a real pay cut because wages failed to keep up with price hikes. So all in all, we actually see the typical family income is down by about $5,000 per year relative to where it was at the beginning of 2021. And that's not even taking into account 
things like higher credit card fees, which are accounting for about $1,500 a year for a typical family. And of course, it doesn't even account for the cost of a home if you're looking to get a new mortgage. So, Joe, let's talk a little bit about whether or not the Biden administration is cooking the numbers. From a standpoint of we're seeing almost every time we get a jobs report that you know, we get these headlines that created so many jobs, but then we go back, you know, quietly, you know, a few weeks later, they actually say, well, actually, it wasn't that many jobs. And, and so there's a claim out there that we're creating all these jobs that the economy is going so hot. But when you look at the actual numbers, it doesn't show it. No, you're exactly right. Almost each and every month the past year, we have seen the jobs estimates revised downwards the following month. And if you dig just a little bit under the surface on these jobs report, you find out something else that's very startling. We have been losing full-time jobs. Each and every month, the president does this victory lap about the number of jobs created. But over the last five months, we have actually lost well over 100,000 full-time jobs, which begs the question, why is it, how is it that we see the total number of jobs increase? Well, that's because the number of part-time jobs is increasing, even as the number of full-time jobs is falling. And that shouldn't come as a surprise to us. People are finding it necessary to work multiple jobs because they've depleted their savings. Savings rates right now are near an all-time low of 4%. And as we've depleted the savings, families have added credit card debt. We've seen families add around $3,000 of credit card debt just over the past few years. Families are strapped. They're working more and going into debt. You know, the, the president today in his speech in Maryland was talking about, you know, I'm happy if we have billionaires, but we're just going to tax them more. We've we've seen the stock market. You know, we've heard the stock market's doing well. But but even in the second quarter, the corporate profits have shown a, 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 a very significant downward turn. There's several economic indicators here that suggest the picture's not as rosy as the Biden administration would paint. Oh, no, you're right. There's numerous uh, pictures, including the manufacturing index, which seems to have stagnated, the industrial um, output index uh, as well. Uh, if you look at the number of full-time job openings, we saw the number of uh, openings decline from around 11 million to just about 8 million recently. And uh, you know, uh, we have to recognize uh, what has been the cause of this. Of course, the shutdowns, which should have never happened, that's a big right. problem. But we also saw that size of government grossly expand. And because of that, limited the limited amounts of capital that we have that should be invested into new research development, new infrastructure, new buildings for private businesses to produce, that has been sucked up by the government, both in terms of taxation, but in also in terms of the government borrowing. And so it's a big part of the reason why growth has been so subdued. So, Joel Griffith, how should that factor into this debate that's going on right now over government funding and a possible government shutdown? We've got conservatives saying we've got to cut back on the spending. You know, the Democrats saying, oh, you just wanted to shut down government. How should this information factor in? Well, we have to recognize that the economic malaise right now has been caused by this gross expansion of government overspending and money printing. If you look in terms of the money that we're spending each year right now, the federal government, they're spending $80,000 per family of four each year. And what is stunning is about $25,000 of your family tax bill is actually being, or your, your family spending component is being borrowed and printed. The Interest on the federal debt alone this year amounts to around $10,000 per family of four. And every dollar that goes to fund the government or goes to pay the interest payments on that debt, 
that is a dollar that could have been invested in the research, development, and equipment that would allow us all to be more productive and to earn more, not just the shareholders and the wealthy, but allows all of us as middle-class Americans to be more prosperous as well. And both Republicans and Democrats have been part of this problem. If you go back to the COVID era, those enormous spending packages were passed with broad Republican and Democrat support. And of course, the left now in Congress has made it even worse since President Biden took office. Now, uh, final uh, question. We're out. Of, we're out of time, Joe. But you know, I'm not one given to you know going by our feelings. But when it comes to the economy, I'm more inclined to go by what we feel than what we hear out of Washington. No, and you know, in this case, our feelings are correct. We know that we're spending more on our rent and our mortgage payments to fill up our car and on the food. And as it turns out, it shows up in the data. We know from the data, which tracks grocery stores. Food costs are up 25%, gasoline is up 50%. And what doesn't even show up in that percentage number is the fact that if you buy a house, the mortgage payment on a typical home two years ago, $975. That same house today is gonna cost you $2,100 per wow. month, which means that the majority of American families right now can't even afford to purchase their own middle-class home. Wow. Well, Joe, we're at to leave it there. Thanks so much for taking time to join us. Thank you, have a great night. Folks, stick with us, we're back after this. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org slash worldview. Again, go to frc.org slash worldview. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host of the website, TonyPerkins.com. Again, uh, starting tomorrow morning, the Pray Vote Stand Summit takes place here in our nation's capital. You can be a part of it. If you're in the area, come join us. Uh, you can find out more by going to prayvotestand.org. And a little bit later, 
We're actually opening up. You can watch online. You can participate online. We'll have more details uh, a little bit later at prayvotestand.org. Right, th this is a, a troubling trend. We talked about it before. My, my good friend uh, Sam Brownback, former ambassador at large for international religious freedom and former U.S. senator, former governor, former congressman. Uh, he, uh, in, in fact, was a part of helping him set up the National Committee for Religious Freedom, and they... Uh, he was making a deposit shortly after they set up their account with J.P. Morgan Chase. They canceled his account. And, and here's the reason uh, they gave, um, that uh, he was a politically exposed person with a customer risk profile. What? That's something that's usually attached to foreign nationals, not former U.S. senators or governors or ambassadors. The real reason is that he is a conservative Christian, and they were advocating for religious freedom. Well, he's not the only one. Many, many other organizations. We've had our own tussle. In fact, if you're Christian and you're open about it, or you're conservative or biblically based, it's just a matter of time before the cancel crowd comes after you. It's, it's in banking. It's in credit card processing. Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse, founder and president of the Pro Family Ruth Institute, they lost their payment processing uh, capabilities after being targeted by the anti-Christian group Southern Poverty Law Center, which we know a little bit about. And uh, she joins us now to talk more about that. Dr. Uh, Morse, welcome to Washington Watch. Well, thanks for having me on, Tony. I'm glad to talk about this important topic. Yeah, so tell us about how, how did this come about? What? How did they notify you? This, you know, we I think we were among the first people to have something like this happen to us. It was back in 2017. Uh, one day we got a note from our credit card processor saying, we're not going to do business with you anymore because uh, it's come to our attention that you don't meet our values or something very vague like that. Um, and uh, we went and checked our bank account and sure enough, the credit card processor was already gone, right? So zero notification, zero honest to goodness explanation for what had happened in spite of a number of people, you know, really digging at the time. A couple of journalists did some digging and we traced it. We're pretty sure that Wells Fargo Bank was lurking in the background, but we don't know exactly how. Um, but, but we're also quite certain that it had to do with us being on the hate list of the Southern Poverty Law Center, just like you guys are. So, um, but, but you know, no one knows really how you get on the list or how you get off the list. And so, you know, they're, they're really totally unaccountable with this type oh, of stuff. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're a leftist hit group is what they are. And that's yes. all. They're, they're, they're a tack dog for the left, a junkyard dog for the left. And they make money off this. I mean, they're sitting yes, on, they uh, yeah, on yeah. millions of dollars uh, offshore. So let's talk about the process here. So you inquired with your processor. Did the, and, and they basically did not give you a, a reason other than we don't right, need our values. Right. We went back and forth with them a couple of times. And then and what we did, and I'll tell you, Tony, if, if there was one thing I could convey to your followers and your watchers and your listeners, this is the way to handle yourself. I, I, I'm confident that the way we conducted ourselves was really crucial to what happened next because we issued a press release and said, okay, we're the Ruth Institute. And what we stand for is we have a dream that every child be welcomed into life in a loving home with a married mother and father, married their own mother and father married to each other. If that makes us a hate group, 
fine, come get us. You know, basically we, you know, led with our chin there, so to speak. Yeah. And we got a whole bunch of very favorable coverage. And then Vanco comes crawling back and says, oh, well, maybe we could reinstate you. And we're like, sure, you apologize. You give us an explanation. Yeah, we'll think about it, you know, but nothing, nothing like that. You know, it was like, it was just this ridiculous arrogance of these people, you know, like, you know, we'll, we'll deign to do business with you. And we're like, well, we already found another company to do business with us. Thank you very much. Well, I, I think yeah, you're... This was a company, Tony, this is a company, Vanco. They advertise themselves as a, a suitable, wonderful group to help churches um, manage their credit card processing. So I think the publicity that we got probably didn't help them any, but, uh, but you know, I, I can't really know that for sure, but that's not how it looks to me. Well, I, I would agree with you, uh, Dr. Morris. I think that's exactly what we should do. We should not shrink yep. back and be fearful. You know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we should speak exactly. that out. You're not ashamed of the fact, and nor are we, because we're on the list for the same reason. We believe that every child deserves a mom and a dad who is married, a, a mother and a father. And yeah. working for that in public policy, there's nothing to be ashamed of for that. That's right. That's um, exactly right. So you have another processor that uh, is more favorable? We haven't had a minute's trouble since we switched over. Yeah, I, I think we, there's going to be, and in fact, I'm already talking to some bankers uh, in different parts of the country, one, one actually in, in, in Oklahoma, uh, First Bank, they're making this a, a huge marketing opportunity for them because they're saying, hey, they don't want you. We do. And so I think That's you're right. going to see a lot more Christian faith based, uh, friendly businesses that are going to crop up and say, hey, come over here. We'll make room yes. for you. Yes. And, and the more that corporate America goes woke the way they have been, you know, I mean, there's plenty of evidence That's now right. that that corporate America is following some other playbook besides just maximizing profits. You are absolutely <laughs> correct. Right. It's, it's spiritual. It's spiritual in nature. Dr. Yes. Morris, we're going to have to leave it there. We're out of time. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, appreciate you sharing the story. Well, thanks very much for having me, Tony. All right. And speaking of the spiritual, we are in a major spiritual battle in this country, and it's more clear today than ever before. We're going to talk about that next with Rabbi Jonathan Kahn here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to PrayVoteStand.org. Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org.
Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged, be in the know, and stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. FRC, celebrating 40 years with Senator Roger Marshall. It's great to have FRC out there saying, wait a second, we're the normal ones. We're the normal ones that were raised uh, with, with faith as a virtue, as, as a value, thinking that family was important, that it's still important, and standing for God and country. Uh, so it, all I can say is it would be worse. God always provides a way, and I think that God has a purpose for FR, FRC to be here. Well, that was Senator Roger Marshall, a great friend of FRC and a great friend of the family fighting for life, religious liberty, all the things we care about on Capitol Hill. And this weekend, actually starting in the morning, is our Pray, Vote, Stand Summit, and it happens to be our 40th anniversary. So we're going to have a great uh, time of uh, really celebrating God's faithfulness and what he has done over the course of the 40 years, that's going to be Saturday night. We're going to have a, a, a gala, and we're going to have many of In fact, we're going to have the founding president of the Family Research Council. Uh, Jerry Regeer is going to be there, and then the second president, Gary Bauer, is going to be joining us. We're going to hear from Dr. James Dobson, who was a part of the founding, and uh, a whole host of uh, speakers as we celebrate the 40th anniversary. And, of course, tomorrow... Uh, we've got a great, great informative lineup of, uh, of speakers tomorrow night. We're also going to hear from some of the presidential candidates. We're going to hear from uh, President, uh, former President Donald Trump. We're going to hear from the vice president, former vice president uh, Mike Pence. We're going to hear from Governor Ron DeSantis. Uh, we're going to hear from uh, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy. So we, we've got a great lineup. Uh, find out more. Go to prayvotestand.org. All right, just to kind of set the stage for the conversation I'm going to have here with uh, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn. I've played this before, but 
I think we need to be listening. I know it's hard, but we need to be listening to what the president, some of those around him are saying. And this is, a, this is something the president repeats often. Play this clip of the president. We are in a battle for the soul of America. We're in a battle for the very soul of this nation. And that's not hyperbole. We're in a battle for the soul of America. I ran for president because I believe we're in a battle for the soul of this nation. And we're seeing how the battle for the soul of America has been far from won. I believe him when he says that. Not much I believe that he says. But I think on this he speaks truth. We are in a battle for the soul of our nation. And it is, yes, there's political aspects of this. But at its heart, this is a spiritual battle for the soul of our nation. And that is why our first speaker tomorrow morning, I selected, I called him and after praying about it, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, who last year wrote a book called The Return of the Gods. If you've not read the book, he's got a new book out. He, he writes books faster than I can read them. But this book, The Return of the Gods, connects a lot of the dots and it speaks to the spiritual battle that is raging in our nation. And he joins me now to discuss this and give us a preview of what he is going to say tomorrow. Rabbi, thanks so much for joining us. Great to be here. Always, Tony. Before we get into that, I know we had yeah. you on uh, last week, but you got a new book out, yes. The Josiah yes. Manifesto. How's that going? Uh, I was just told on the train coming here, I was told it's number one. Uh, Wall Street Journal, number one. Wow. Um, and publisher, clear, yeah. You just one. have a knack for that. But what what is so interesting is there's clearly insight, Thank biblical, you. spiritual insight here. And I, I want to go yeah. to the return of the gods. Yes. Because we're at a new level. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, Christians, we talk about spiritual warfare, and, and that's mm-hmm. real. Paul mm-hmm. talked about it. Mm-hmm. You know, he said, we wrestle yep. not against flesh and blood. Yes. But the intensity of that mm-hmm. has increased, I, I would say, a hundredfold in mm. our country during the 20 years I've been here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, what's the, the, the foundation of this is we have a nation that has turned from God. And when you do that, you create a vacuum. Right. And, and, you know, that's it biblical. Goes, yeah, it goes back to that parable of Jesus when he says, you know, the spirit goes out of the house, you know, out of the man, the, the house remains empty, and so more spirits come back in. That is the principle, but not just for a man, but for a nation or a civilization. Any nation that has known God, as America has, and the West, and that's really been cleansed of paganism, that if it ever turns away from God, its house is not going to stay empty. It's got, what was cast out is coming back into it. With and, friends. and that With friends, and that's what we have been witnessing. And so when it starts, it's subtle. Like, say, you look at the 60s, we start removing God from here. Right. It's subtle. But as it goes on, it's it's no more subtle. It gets more and more brazen. If I re- if I recall that passage right, it's not a hundredfold; it'd be sevenfold. In this in this case, yeah, actually eight because it's one. Okay. Plus, yeah, 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 and that and which which means actually when you have a civilization that has known God is turned away, that it's going to be worse than it was at the right. beginning. It's going to be worse than paganism. Because that's that's where that's where Western culture started. It was pagan, was cleansed by the gospel, and now it's going to be worse. You know, a a pagan culture produces a Nero, but a a post Christian culture produces a Hitler. I, I thought about this as I read the book, and I don't think you and I have talked about this. But is a part of what we see today where 
we see those who are apologizing to the past pagan cultures yeah. a yeah. sign yes. of the fact that we're worse off than we were back then, that yeah. we're actually apologizing to the pagan cultures that God pushed out so I, we could come in? I would say I would say absolutely yes. It would be like if we were in Israel when it was turning away from God, and now it's embracing Baal and apologizing for what it did to Baal and Ashtorah and Molech and all that. Exactly. It's, pa- it's not an accident that it's pagan, and we are now championing that. What is the way forward when that begins to to happen? Well, one is you know I, you know one is that this is not new in the sense that the when if we were living back in Israel and they went through this because they knew God right. they turned away from God and we can read about it yeah we just read our Bible yeah yeah but we figure it's back then but now we're actually in but, it but see that's that's a part of the thing is that in in you know Satan can take on the the image of an angel of light yeah. and, mm-hmm. and they can change they change the labels that's and people right. say well it doesn't match with this that's right. That's but right. it's just a different That's disguise. Right. No, no, it doesn't match because, you know, back then they were offering up their children on altars. Now we're offering them an abortion. You know, they've, right. they've offered thousands of them. We've offered 60 million. So, yeah, it's the same spirit. You know, back then you had sexual immorality, all the pagan world. You had gender confusion. You had men dressing up as women. You had actually transitions. You know, that's one of the goddesses in there. You have it now. It just, it just has another term. It's exactly right. One of the things I said at the beginning is when these spirits, come back, or the gods come back, they don't come back saying we are pagans. Yeah, they, don't have a, they don't have a neon sign no. saying we're pagans. No, no. They say, you know, we are enlightened. This is a light. This is, we're awake now. We're awoken. We are, we are now awake. Yet it's the same spirit, you know, and, and, and when you look at the culture, you look at what's happened with the sexual revolution. Everything is to pagan values. Everything. Everything. Whether it's abortion, whether it is, whether it is, it is uh, the, the destruction of marriage, whether it's the destruction of gender. This goes back to Babylon. This goes back. So this is on one hand, the form is new, as you said, but on the other hand, it's we're the in the same, the we're, same. We're in the same boat that that the prophets were. And I think people need to understand when you, when Paul talks about in Ephesians six that we battle not, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness at this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness mm-hmm. in heavenly places. We often talk about how history repeats itself. Mm-hmm. It's because the drivers of history are the same. These principalities are the same, right. working through that new people right. who are you know we we you know we take our place on the earth for a yeah. period of time but those principalities remain we're in we're in a drama that's right we're in a drama and the thing is that there is, this is the thing because we've never known that we, we it's like you don't know what you've got to, till it's gone and so we've had Christ, a Judeo-Christian culture I'm not saying everybody was Christian but it was a Judeo-Christian right. culture it was, ju- it was dominated by those pr- absolutely those- principles. Yeah, and the thing is that when you get that out, there's not, there's never been anything else. It's either paganism in one form or another, or it's God. When you take God out, there's no middle ground, and there never has been. So now we're just experiencing it. It's a very dramatic time in history. We're just experiencing what the other side is. But you know, for, in, in the, for believers, biblically, this was the rule. You know, for the, the Moses dealt with the gods of Egypt. Elijah dealt with the gods of Canaan. Paul dealt with the gods of Rome. So this is actually, you know, a Christian culture was actually an exception. So we're back in very biblical times. You know, a lot of believers are saying, I wish I lived in biblical times. Congratulations. All right, you're here. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we live in biblical times? Well, we live biblical, <laughs> biblically, and that is that, that is, you know, you know, one of the mysteries I talk about is that, I, and this is prophetic in the sense that 
that I believe the, the end of the age parallels the beginning. In the beginning of the age, you had an Israel in the world, you got it back. In the end of the, the beginning of the age, you had a not Christian culture, you had an anti-Christian pagan culture. That's coming back. But in the beginning of the age, if everything's going back, we have to go back to where we were, which is the book of Acts. That was not a cultural thing. It was countercultural. It was not status quo religion. It was revolutionary. It was radical. It was all out. Yes, that last part there, that's what I was about to say. Mm. Their faith was the center of everything. Yeah. They lived it. Community was extremely important. They did everything together. They shared those things. Now, they had their difficulties. Mm -hmm. I mean, we see that. They were human. Yeah, Yeah. they had problems. Paul's letters was correcting them on a whole host of things. Yeah. But their faith was not uh, an accessory to their lives. It was who they were. That's right. They were not. If you look at the church back then, I mean, look at the church of the Middle Ages. You had everything but you had so much uh, attachment. When you look at the beginning, you you didn't have a lot of money. You didn't have a lot of physical power. You didn't have a lot of organization. You had basically they were in the in the in the wake of the resurrection, in the wake of, of, of Messiah. Everything was that. We have to get back to that. And you know, I think one of the things is that when you look at where things are going, it's kind of like the grays are disappearing and things are going back to where it was, yeah. even with us. So just standing for God in this time, if we stand for God, we're going to get, we're going to become like them because it forces us to become radical. If the evil is getting radical, the good has to get radical. Well, that's the parable of the wheat and the tares mm-hmm. that Jesus talked about, saying this is a picture of the end times. The the bad is going to grow. It's going to get worse. But the good is as well. The wheat yeah. is going to grow. And he, he reminded them to stay focused on the wheat. Yes. We need to be that's harvest. Right. We need to be focused on, on the good. The also, yeah. when you look at harvest, when you look at the New Testament church, everywhere they preached the gospel, people's lives were being transformed by it. Yeah. Yeah, well, the other side is that the more that we stand out for the culture, you know, you know, we talk about and, and pastors talk about the candle in the night. Well, it's true. You know, back then we've kind of been the candle in the day when you have a Christian culture. But when you have an anti-Christian culture, we're the candle in the night. The candle stands out more, but it's more powerful, you know, and the message becomes more powerful. And our lives, everything we do becomes radical. And this is why we've, I'm going to talk about this a little bit tomorrow mm. before I introduce you, but this is why we've changed our Value Voter Summit that we had for 15 mm-hmm. years to the Pray, Vote, Stand Summit, mm. is because we know it's not just a set of values, it's biblical values mm-hmm. that we must return to. And when we talk about prayer, it, it's not only about praying and asking God to move in our nation, but it is walking with God according to his word and encourage believers back to the Word of God. I've been very clear about this. Mm, I do not mm. believe we will be able to face the circumstances ahead unless we are rooted in the Word of God. And it's not just a matter of survival. I actually think we'll thrive yeah. in this environment if we are rooted in the Word of God. Yeah, that, that is when you look at all the people who stood, you know, from Moses to Paul to, you know, Josiah. That's one of the reasons I wrote right. Josiah is because that's that's what he was in darkness. This is it. And, and he came on the heels of Manasseh. And I mean, there his was his father, his grandfather were evil, apostate. And yet, despite that, despite that. And God's hand of judgment was coming upon it, the nation. That's right. I believe I believe we are at the Josiah moment right now where we've got judgment on one hand. But God is giving a chance right now, a chance for us to be that. And it's exactly what you said. He was rooted. We 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 have to be more. And remember, rooted. it was 
during his time, remember when the, 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 the priest, the high priest, discovered the scripture? This, that's right. It's the whole revival started with the word. You right. know, they started found... with the word and, and the same powers that he had. He had to be separate from his culture. He had to be weaned from it. He had to be plugged into God with prayer and the word. And then he could be a light to it. He literally changed the course. You, you, were, you said judgment was coming. God held it for an entire generation. Exactly right. You know, there's, God is never finished. So, you know, we, we, are, we are people of hope. God is never finished. But to me, and I mean this, you know, we could be, this could be the most exciting time because these, we want biblical times. These are truly the dynamics that creates greatness if right. we will rise to it. Well, and this is in, in Luke chapter 18. Jesus said that men ought to pray and not lose heart. I think th- there is this propensity right now with all of the evil coming in and, right. and the enemy's desire, and I say That's the enemy, right. the enemy of our soul is to discourage us, to wave a white flag, to to give in. And then, of course... Darkness yeah. wins. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And the thing is that that God honors again. You know, God is never finished. You know, he's never his plans are never finished. We can't be finished. And the other thing is we can't live on the defense. You know, we must we have to defend, but we have to live on the offense. That's our mission. We're not on earth to hang out right. or survive. We're on earth to do the will of God. Well, the gates of hell will not prevail. prevail against it. Yes. That means we have to charge the gates of yes. hell. That's right. What can folks expect to hear tomorrow morning? A little bit of this? Well, yeah, a little bit of this. Yeah, yeah, this, this Tony, and, and the return of the gods in, in a form for this. And I just, I'm so blessed you, this is your heart, because without the spiritual, the rest doesn't work. With the spiritual, God does powerful things in every realm. I'm absolutely convinced after a quarter of a century in politics, yeah. Yeah. our nation stands at that moment that only God and the power of the Holy Spirit can lead us out. Yeah. Yeah, absolute, absolute. And um and he still can. You know, there's he's yes, never he finished. Can. He has never finished. The question yes is is if. will we? Yeah, that's right. If my people. That's if. right. Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, always great to see you. <laughs> always always a, an honor to be here. Look forward to hearing you tomorrow morning. Thanks. Folks, I hope you will join us if you're in the area. Come and be a part of this year's Pray Vote Stand Summit. If you're not, you can still be a part of it. We'll have information a little bit later. At prayvotestand.org, you'll be able to participate and watch online. Also, if you're part of the Real Life Network, Pastor Jack Hibbs, my battle buddy, you'll be able to uh, to watch as well on the Real Life app. It's going to be a great uh, weekend, and I would encourage uh, those of you who are faithful viewers and listeners of Washington Watch, not only to join us, but to be praying for this weekend. I think it's going to be a very significant weekend. All right, we're out of time. Till tomorrow, I uh, leave you with this, the encouraging words the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 